This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Adam Ritz. Jay Baker is joining me on the telephone. Hey Jay, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam, and uh, it's just an amazing time of the year with so many different activities and weather, and, you know, we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Well, a new month, February. We are into February. There's a a leap year this year. Uh, We've got a leap day coming up, February 29th, and I thought we'd go over some of the holidays uh, this month uh, that are notable. Uh, including today, uh, most of our affiliates air this show on Sunday, February 4th, which is World Cancer Day. Happy World Cancer Day to you, Jay. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously for cancer awareness, so it maybe sounds odd to say Happy Cancer Day. A little weird, yeah. Happy Cancer Day, but uh, if you're posting um, today and you have a family member or anybody uh, that has dealt with this, and who hasn't? Uh, you can use the hashtag World Cancer Day, uh, just to, as Jay said, for the awareness. Uh, the more we, uh, I guess, get get this in front of eyeballs, the more people are aware to help, contribute, donate, raise money, raise awareness. Awareness. So, oh, absolutely! And you know, we've just talked about too. You know, when you look, there's so many obvious forms of cancer, obviously that. Uh, really can occupy the landscape but you know we talked not too long ago about skin cancer and i think the awareness of skin cancer has been a great boon to health because much of it was stuff people just didn't realize without question um along the lines of the holidays this month for february we've got the lunar new year coming saturday february 10th i don't know exactly what the lunar new year is but, uh, well, the Lunar New Year, I believe it could encompass other nations, but certainly uh, very big in China. And it has to do with the amount of moons past a certain point. So, yeah, that, that date changes around each year. But uh, Lunar New Year uh, celebrated uh, by a, a pretty large number of people, not so much in the United States, but certainly worldwide. Maybe it's because all of our focus is on the next day, February 11th, Super Bowl Sunday. Super Sunday. There you go. Say. So I, I know in my house we celebrate Super Sunday a lot more than Lunar New Year. <laughs> well, and then uh, I always get ready for what I call Super Call-In Day which is the Monday after the Super Bowl for me, you know, yeah. where I developed a <coughs> pretty bad cough, <coughs> uh, better stay home. It, it, a lot of people call in sick on the Monday morning <laughs> after the, the, the big game. And I, I know for years, uh, decades, people have been asking Congress to pass some sort of law to make uh, that Monday a national holiday. And why not? Why not? Let's, you know, let's take another day What's off. What's an extra holiday? What's productivity got to do with anything? Now, you know, uh, and sadly, and, and I will admit to it here, because I think coming clean <laughs> is the first part of healing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've called in 
uh, plenty of uh, Super Bowl Mondays. Uh, that's what I always call it. Uh, or day day or big game Monday. There we go. Uh, but can you imagine you are legitimately ill and you call in? Is it your boss's first thought? Yeah, right. I mean, there's not going to be much sympathy, is there? You would have to be legitimately <laughs> sick. That's my luck. The only day of the year I'm actually sick and can't go to work is the Monday after the uh, the big game. And who's going to believe me that you've got to just have a you know almost a limb cut off to be able to prove that you aren't Absolutely. able to work. Uh, well, and we've way. always, you know, we've always talked about as adults, you know, thankfully, if you build a good rapport at your office, they will take your word for it for many things as well. They should, because that just builds trust and relationships. But you and I know that whole, uh, you know, I'm pretty sick today. Really? I'll have to see a note from your doctor. Then it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the... Um the rate of uh, calling into work sick on, on that Monday in the two cities of San Francisco and Kansas City. Yes. I, I don't think anybody's going to go to – nobody – you you know what? You won't have to call your boss to call in sick because they're going to be sick too. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you know, though, as we're saying this, that there is uh, – I bet if you did a Google search for note from a doctor – there's probably a printable form. I'm just saying, I'm not saying you should, but I'm That's saying the possibility exists. Great advice from a public affairs <laughs> That's show. Great, great advice. You can download. I feel like we, we've offered a lot of really good advice through the years. We've had some great advice. We've had some bad advice. <laughs> That's bad. Don't uh, That's bad. download a note from your doctor off uh, the internet today. So Don't that week, uh, you've got Mardi Gras, too, on um uh, wow. Beginning on Tuesday, February 13th, they call it Fat Tuesday, which means the next day is Ash Wednesday. And Ash I'm Wednesday saying, is also oh, Valentine's Day. Holy cow. So you're basically talking about Valentine's Day usually involves a romantic dinner somewhere. Uh, Super Sunday involves lots of chicken snacks wings. and tailgating and chicken wings. And then, of course, Mardi Gras. Goodness knows. I mean, you really... You're going to need a major day of rest, and in a great way for many traditions, Lent comes along just in time for you to save yourself from yourself. Yes, that that is going to be a week. You might as well call your boss and just take the whole week off. <laughs> With the Monday after the big game, Fat Tuesday, Valentine's Day, and Ash Wednesday on the same day, that's going to be a busy week. Then it's uh, President's Day on Monday, February 19th. Here's uh, one of our favorites, National Pancake Day, on oh, Wednesday, February 28th. Which I never miss it. Any other year is the last day of the month, but not this year, because February 29th is Leap Day. So happy Leap Year, happy World Cancer Day, and happy uh, Super Sunday coming up in a week. Can I suggest an extra day of pancakes because it is a leap year? Yeah. You know what? Don't call in on Thursday, February 29th. And, and call in sick because of you celebrated too hard on National Pancake Day. <laughs> well, the thing about National Pancake Day is, you know, if you don't have sticky fingers, you're not doing it right. 
you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Hey, uh, you are absolutely correct. This is a busy month with so many holidays, and uh, those are tied into so many things. One of the things about February they want you to know, it is Heart Disease Awareness Month. And, you know, a lot of times the phrase heart disease just rolls off our tongue. But believe it or not, heart disease is the leading cause of death for men, women, and people of most racial and ethnic groups in the United States. So basically what they're saying is this is a health concern for literally everybody. Touches everybody's life, for sure. Absolutely. One person dies every 33 seconds in the United States directly attributed the cardiovascular disease. Mm, that's um, a statistic that I, I don't like to hear. Uh, no. I've had people in, in my family. Uh, my grandfather uh, passed from heart disease. I never met him. He, in fact, my mother was only 19 years old when it happened. So, yeah, this uh, heart disease, heart health awareness, uh, a topic for all. About 695,000 people in the United States died from heart disease in the year 2021 that was about one in every five deaths so that kind of lets you see on the charts uh of where and how serious this is uh, nicely uh heart disease is something that you are in somewhat in control of there are some genetic factors but it really boils down to uh, making healthy choices and a healthy lifestyle. And I know not everybody wants to hear that, but I think February sort of underscores that it is indeed important. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody is important to members of their family and uh, to those around them. So be aware um, and maybe think in terms of a healthier lifestyle for a healthier heart. Bring it up with your family conversations. You heard it on the radio. They were talking about heart health awareness. So more conversations you have with the people you love, the more top of mind it is and the more uh, changes you can make in your life to help those statistics. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got a lot of stories uh, mixed in today of rock stars doing great things philanthropically, including Mark Knopfler. He set to uh, set up an auction with Christie's involving a lot of his guitar collection. And some of these were very rare guitars indeed. They were guitars that he had performed uh, live in during different charity shows, mm -hmm. uh, guitars that he had recorded some of his famous songs like um, like name a famous Dire Straits song, Sultans of Swing. The guitar that he played in that was up on the Christie's auction block, and they raised $11.2 million just in sales of guitars. Uh, that <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, the whole thing's in crazy. They listed a lot of these very obscure instruments. When I say obscure, meaning that they would have a lot of meaning to a guitar aficionado. But you read about it and you're like, yeah, okay. And they even said, yeah, they expected this guitar to sell for $8,000, $9,000, $10,000, which is a lot of money for a guitar. But many of his guitars literally smashed records. 
they exceeded uh, the estimate by 57, 58, 60 times. How many guitars or and or how many other instruments from how many artists did it take to raise $11.2 million in this auction? No, this was all from Mark. Just from for, his personal yeah. collection? Yeah, it was a six-hour, 122-lot event. I'd always heard that Mark Knopfler was a prolific guitar collector. I did not know to what extent. And that's what I was saying about some of these guitars were indeed esoteric because out of 122 guitars, you and I know, well, some of them must have been like, picked this one on, you know, got this one for sale one Saturday, you know, you, you would think. Yeah. But the, the, it was just absolutely amazing. They said that the sale went on 61. Uh, uh, there were buyers from over 61 countries to create this event. And he built the sale with Christie's London team last year. Uh, and Mark Knopfler selected a few of his favorite charities to receive chunks of the proceeds, and they are the Teenage Cancer Trust, the British Red Cross, the African Wildlife Protection Charity, and Brave Hearts of the Northeast, which is a, uh, believe it or not, a, uh, a cardiovascular research uh, charity. So uh, they received a large chunk of the $11.2 million raised by Mr. Knopfler. <laughs> That's amazing. I, oh, I know. I, I just, I, I want to see his collection. Uh, if it's all gone now, I, I mean, you got to believe he's got some left. There, there's, uh, he's got to have a possibly. basement with a, he's got to have a few guitars left in his basement, or did he just get rid of everything? Everything's got to go. He might have gotten he, rid of a lot of them. Is he at that point of his life? Where every where his is his wife saying you got to clear out this office? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could you imagine Mark Knopfler's spouse going? You know these guitars, man. Come on, you're making a mess here. I mean, they're just collecting dust. Can you get rid of these, please? Eleven point two million. That's incredible. Well, here's the pushback story we knew was going to eventually present itself. Retail stores across the country are reversing course on the self checkout machines oh yeah it seems that they're saying they're a disaster for consumers and retailers alike with the biggest problem being theft <laughs> shoppers are reportedly 21 times more likely to sneak items past the machines than human cashiers and you know i mean believe it or not the human cashier uh, situation remember at grocery stores people would uh, put stuff on their bass carts and push it across and say oh I've already paid for that and things of that nature so uh, yeah theft is is a big big problem in the retail world so welcome back cashiers or maybe yes uh, we probably will see more cashiers it does appear that uh, uh, one in five shoppers reported they've accidentally, stolen items from self-checkout so there you go some people were reporting that yes this happened accidentally however a number of people are saying oh no it's no accident when i'm working the self-checkout so uh yeah the self-checkout thing is probably going to diminish somewhat target walmart and dollar general are going to be producing less 
self-checkouts. Those were the three biggest retailers using self-checkout. I have to admit, I, I at the at those stores, I really like self-checkout. I like uh, even when the line seems long. There's usually eight of them, so their turnover's high. People are in and out. Right. You zap your stuff. You swipe your card. You're gone. Um, and I can see, you know, of course, a lot of dishonest people would purposefully steal and know that they can get away with it at a, a self-checkout. But I, I bet there's a just a large percentage of the of the products are stolen, like you said, accidentally. I mean, as a consumer, we're not trained on how to how to zap the barcode uh, and get it lined up exactly correctly with the red light. So if you've got a basket full of stuff and you're just wiping things across a glass uh, sensor and it beeps every time the barcode hits and it doesn't beep once, or you hear the other guy's self-checkout beep and you thought it was your beep, I mean, I can absolutely see just honest mistakes costing these companies money, a lot of money. Right. Yeah, it is costing them a lot of money. And then ironically, some of these companies that have instituted a lot of self-checkout, meaning several lines worth of self-checkout, they've had to hire some additional staff to sort of supervise people going through those areas. Yeah, you know, it seems like every third time I go through self-checkout, I uh, an icon appears on the screen that says, call for a, a, uh, call an attendant for assistance. Yes. Somebody has to come over, swipe their card, enter their key, key passcode, uh, fix what I screwed up, and then I can get on my way. So if they're paying somebody anyway to be there, they might as well have a cashier. Yeah. Well, and, you know, most of these things are sort of undertaken with the thought that, hey, we're going to help the American consumer. Like you said, you didn't find the experience bad at all. It just was you just looked at it. You said, hey, a couple of swipes, throw it in the bag. I head out the door. Hey, it's all good. And I think for most people, it probably is. It's just that you and I know (laughs) it's like everything under the sun. Somebody will take anything under the planet and go, how can I take advantage of this? Right. Yeah, I'm going to go to Target, and I'm going to get a Snickers and a 65-inch TV. And I'm going to go to self-checkout, and I'm going to pay for the Snickers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, great story about an athlete doing great stuff. A kid by the name of Tommy Bruner. And this guy is far from a household name. He is leading the nation in scoring and field goals made, NCAA athlete. Uh, But he's up there, too, with making kids happy. The fifth-year senior and point guard for the Denver Pioneers. And he's transferred schools a couple times. So despite the prolific scoring, he is playing for a relatively small collegiate program in Denver. Yeah, that's a very tiny college. Yeah, he created a nonprofit organization named Be Different. It's a nod to a slogan he once used on T-shirts in high school to encourage kids to stand out. His charity delivered presents to more than 100 children for Christmas this year. And he recently began renovation plans for a local park. So when I read this, I read through this three or four times because I go, this kid 
this doesn't how could this even be real <laughs> that the kid is a great collegiate basketball player and he's doing all these other philanthropic things that is um you know the kind of story that uh can can get him i not I, i'm certainly not disparaging the basketball program at, at university of denver but uh, that's the kind of story that can ha- get his name in front of some bigger time programs big time programs if he'd like to enter the transfer portal and play for a, a power five school yeah absolutely i mean but the kid's absolutely amazing his uh, collegiate coaches were saying here's a gentleman that's got a full day as an academic you know a student athlete uh, he's at least four hours, five hours worth of classroom work and studying. And then you've got three plus hours of basketball practice. And then he's off the court working for his nonprofit. Um, they were saying, here's an example. The Pioneer players had an off day and Tommy Bruner went out to a suburb of Denver to inspect a parcel of land where his charity was refurbishing a park. The renovation includes updated playground equipment, a mini soccer field, and remodeling the basketball courts. I was going to say, there's got to be a basketball goal involved with this park somehow. Sure. But, I mean, just pretty amazing story, and it's really great to see an athlete using their platform and doing so much good. Without question, Tommy Bruner. He sounds like a boxer. Tommy Bruner. Yeah, great name. He's a fifth-year senior point guard and for the Denver Pioneers. He's uh, leading the NCAA Division I lead scoring average of 26.3 points a game. That is uh, that's fantastic. Leading the scoring, and he's uh, got a, a philanthropy good one. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Hey, just kind of a side note: we're not picking on anybody, but we're heading into Super Sunday, and attending an NFL game is getting increasingly more expensive. No, you don't say. When was the last time you've gone to a professional <laughs> baseball or football game? <laughs> Because I know you're such a collegiate fan, and you still go back and attend your university's games, both basketball and football. Not every game, but a good handful throughout the season. But when's the last time you went to a pro game? I went to a couple uh, NFL games this year. Uh, the most recent one there was near the end of the season, and there was playoff implications, so the ticket prices were a little bit more than earlier in the season. And I went through a, an app I use, the same app I get college tickets with, and uh, it's trustworthy, a very trustworthy app with very decent pricing. And I did, um, you know, blow out the budget, as they say, just because I, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted the experience. And I think these tickets were about a hundred twenty-five dollars each, two fifty for the for, okay. the for the pair, and they were what we like to call jay nosebleeds so if i noticed on the on the website on on the app if i bought tickets to where i really wanted to sit they would have been seven hundred dollars each right and that's not even the best seat in the house just a good just a good seat so the best seats were upwards of two thousand dollars this is a regular season game two eighteen hundred dollars each for really good seats 
Yeah, ticket resellers are now reporting that for the upcoming uh, Super Sunday game that will be taking place in Las Vegas, that uh, a so-so ticket, like you said, uh, sort of a uh, one where you'd have to have someone help you to your seat. Yeah, one that involves vertigo and binoculars. <laughs> yes. Uh, those seats are going in the neighborhood of $6,500. That was reported this oh week. Oh, my gosh. And oh the El Supremo gosh. seats, the ones that you and I would like to sit in. Why? Because we've reached an age where we go, hey, treat yourself. The treat yourself seats on the 20-yard line are at or near the $35,000 mark, oh and that's per, that's per ticket, Adam, that per is, ticket. So 10 rows up on the 50-yard line will cost you thirty-five k per ticket. Thirty-five k. Now, here's what, you know, you can drive around uh, pretty much any city in America, and you'll find several, many neighborhoods with, with enormous homes where anybody in that neighborhood could afford to buy a $35,000 Super Bowl ticket. These people are out there. It's, you know, you think of the 1%, and that's a small number. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people oh, that yes. can spend that money. Um, and, I, you know, just think about it. If your annual salary, if you make a million dollars a year, what's thirty-five grand to go uh, have the best seat in the house at the Super Bowl? That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah, what's well, thirty five grand? But that does show you kind of what uh, what kind of uh, admission price to this club you'll need to have. You know, well, it's pretty amazing. Let's take some zeros off of it and put it into our terms. So sixty five. You're saying six thousand five hundred dollars for a bad seat, right? So so tickets. Yeah, thirty five thousand for for a great seat. So let's just take two zeros off that and. Something that you and I would purchase for sixty-five dollars would the the very good version of it would be three hundred fifty dollars. So, Great. in our uh, bank accounts, that's not really that big of a difference. If you were going to buy something, uh, some luxury item, you know, once a quarter you treat yourself, and you're going to buy something worth sixty-five bucks or three hundred fifty bucks, that's not going to kill you. That's not going to ruin your finances. So if you make a ton of money, there's hardly a difference between a, a $6,500 ticket or a $35,000 ticket. It's just zeros. Yeah, that's the way to look at it's it. It's just zeros. <laughs> but when you say to yourself, boy, I really wish I'd, and there are several very positive things you could have purchased, but instead you bought a Super Bowl ticket, I'm just saying, you know, those are some of the decisions you'll have to make, and we can't make them for you. We, no, we cannot. Those we want to help as much as we can. Those are your decisions. Uh, I personally am going to watch it on my couch and pay nothing. Yes, I think that's the best way to go. That's the high road. Now, here's what's interesting. The reason why I brought this up in the first place, a company called Business Insider recently looked at the NFL uh, based on the cost of tickets, food, drinks, and parking for a family of four. So if you say to yourself, family of four experience at various NFL mm -hmm. stadiums, topping the list is the site of this year's Super Game, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 
Uh, if you want to go to a regular season Raiders game, it will set you back. Now, this is family of four, $801. That's that's just an, uh, just such an enormous amount of money for the average really family is. to spend for a three-hour event. Oh, yeah, that's gosh. kind of what they were getting at is that, you know, when you look at the so-called entertainment dollar, the 49ers were up there. Not unexpected. We know that San Francisco is one of the most expensive markets for housing and everything, followed by the Eagles, surprisingly. The Packers were up there at $719, which is a bit of a surprise. And such a small market, think, yeah. You would think smaller market, a little more affordable. Uh, and the Patriots were up there at $682. You know, the Chicago Bears used to be right up there around uh, the league uh, you know, max eight hundred dollars for a family of four. I think last year they were paying families of four to go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a market where they really encourage families to come in and possibly maybe paying them. Yes, yes. Oh, that's <laughs> those funny. are some that's some great numbers, great math. Uh, as we wrap up the show here this week, so uh, next weekend. When this show airs, uh, it will be Super Sunday. Um, I personally have one of those apps where you can make a wager. I will make a few, just a few dollars worth of wagers just to make it fun. Uh, I think we'll go over some gambling uh, tips or awareness for next weekend, especially with the big game in mind. So, Jay, that's my homework. I don't know what you're going to cover next week, but that's what I'll do. (laughs) Um, Really, it'll be self uh uh, research so that I don't get in trouble when I, I get on my I phone. Want you, I don't want to start pressing buttons on my phone and lose my mortgage. Yes, I don't want you to have to call an 800 number. No. All right, Jay, thank you so much. Everybody listening, uh, glad you're here. You can hear this show in podcast form or any of our past shows on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.